It's Money Talk. It's 17 minutes past eight. Let's move to our guests and uh, say a very good morning to Enzio von Feil, uh, Capital Preservation Specialist for Individuals. Uh, good morning, Enzio. Good morning to you, James. Uh, nice to have you on the show. And let's say also good morning to uh, Betty Wang, uh, Senior China Economist at ANZ Bank. How are you, Betty? Um, I'm good, thanks. Uh, thanks for being on the show, both of you. Um, let's uh, start with uh, uh, what uh, we would expect to start with, I guess, is uh, a look at the uh, current uh, play at the Fed. It is holding interest rates. Was that what you expected, Enzio? Yes, I, I must say I, I went with the consensus for a big change, not my nature, as <laughs> people know, um, because I think that, but for a very different reason, something that Mohammed El Arian wrote in the FT yesterday, that the Fed needs to give some time to also thinking about the way that it is approaching inflation. You see, it uses the Noah's Ark of demand-pull inflation, too much money chasing too few goods, and instead it should also be looking at supply-push inflation. In other words, that there's just too much, too little oil around, too little grain around because of sunspots, too little labor around because people don't want to work anymore. And so these factors are not being put into the equation. And Mr. Alarian figured that one should maybe also look at that a little bit more. That may have been one of the reasons for them to pause, although I think it's a more chicken-like approach just to wait and see what they should do next, which I believe is still going to be another 50 basis point hike. So basically, not looking at the at the right indicators. Um, mm. uh, Betty, would you agree with that? Is that, uh, the you know, inflation, obviously a big focus. Could they be looking wider? Uh, well, I think our view is that inflation is still a key gauge for the Fed to uh, to consider uh, their uh, future post decisions. And on that front, we do think there's a chance for the Fed to hike again in July after this post in June. So, so you're expecting that to come in July and maybe not wait till yeah. later in the year? That's our current call. Mm. Mm, okay, uh, and and this came this came as a surprise to you that they would hold, or were you expecting it to to rise this time? Hello, Betty. Sorry, you, you asked me. Um, it's about is uh, so you were talking about China or the U.S. I'm talking about. I was talking about the U.S. at the moment. Actually, yes. I was just. Uh, you know, were, were you expecting the uh, the Fed to raise uh, rates this time, or, or was your expectation uh, that it was going to hold? Well, yes. Um, so ahead of the Jones meeting, we uh, adjusted our rate uh, rate hike call and thought that there was a pause in June. But uh, we do think that you know um, there's a still chance for the ha- for the hack uh, for the Fed to consider for the hike in July. Okay, okay. Enzio, so are we on the right road to prevent a recession? Do you think uh, in the U.S.? I don't think so because. First of all, with the rates not having risen, the dollar did fall. That would give some push into the imported inflation. And I think the further we get in this rate hiking cycle, the more the dollar will actually weaken going forward because there's less boost from the high interest rate differential um, between the U.S. and, say, Japan, which is basically flat, and the U.S. six-month money is is at 5.7%. The second reason is that the U.S. is not only tightening monetarily officially, but it is also undergoing a massive credit crunch. We see this particularly in the commercial and the residential property sectors. And thirdly, I think that the rates have to keep going up because the the Fed's credibility, frankly, is a little bit in tatters, and it needs to show that it can at least achieve one thing 
over the course of its term. So I think the rates are up, in, growth is down, and I think that's going to lead to my long-haul called siren song of a form of mild stagflation going into 2024. We will cut the rates as of Super Tuesday, which is spring of 2024, I believe. So you think the, the Fed needs a bit of a kick up the, uh, the proverbial backside? Well, or in the head. Um, I think that the uh, I, I think that its 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 model is so anachronistic this demand pull in flesh that I was rattling on about that I really believe that they need to reassess the whole structural changes going on in the economy again that people don't want to work the sunspots aren't exactly favoring grain production nor indeed is the Ukrainian war as we all know. And finally, you've got that oil price, which is just also gyrating, but to the tune of a different group called OPEC and U.S. shale producers. Uh, let's turn to China uh, for a moment. And um, the PBOC, uh, Betty, is widely expected to cut borrowing costs, uh, medium-term policy loans uh, later today. Uh, that follows uh, the cut to short-term rates uh, announced earlier this week. What are your thoughts there? Is, is, is that really likely to happen today, do you, do you expect? Yes. Uh, so I, yes. So following the policy rate cuts um, earlier this week, uh, we do think that there's a chance for China to cut MLF rate as well as LPR rate next week. And what do you think is the thinking behind that? Uh, well, apparently, policymakers have realized that uh, um, the, the weakness in the economy, especially after the COVID reopens, it seems that the recovery or the rebound momentum has eased. And um, so if you look at the CPI and the PPI inflation, which was the, the latest data, which was released last week, it came out weaker than expected. Um, so this mounting concerns about China's deflationary risk. Um, as well as rising concerns, especially in offshore markets, about um, the, um, the debt repayment pressure from local government financing vehicles, with all of this upside risk stocking, um, I think that's the reason behind the post-rate cuts this week. Uh, Enzio, yeah. how do you sit with China this week? You know, are, are you feeling good about it? I mean, Bloomberg is saying that um, uh, Beijing is is asking investors and uh, economists for advice oh on dear. what to do. Oh dear especially with the latter. First of all, I think that just on a broader scale, then I'll come back to this, China has to approach its own D-Day, which of course stands for Decision Day, because it has to choose the Beijing leadership, whether it wants to pursue, continue pursuing the Marxist ideology or to really go full throttle on creating common prosperity by furthering the private sector, which does in fact account for about 80% of private sector employment, uh, of GDP, of, of, of gross sort of economy employment. So the private sector pushes about 80% of China's employment. And if they don't push the private sector, then they're really going to have problems. Interest rates cuts aren't going to help at all. I do think that they will have to cut those rates. They cut, as Betty was saying, the seven-day repo rate yesterday. Today, it's going to be the medium-term lending facility by about 10 basis points. But that's not really going to cut the ice because until they decide fundamentally whether they want to go Marxist or common prosperity, I think the place is going to be in a bit of a mess, frankly. And that's why we're suggesting to investors that it's maybe not so good being in China for this time. As many, indeed, as many large houses, huge pension, huge Canadian pension funds, for instance, have pulled out of China very much or downsized their operations. Betty, what do you see the um, the link between the Fed's uh, decision on interest rates uh, in the U.S. Uh, overnight and and China's uh, economy? How is that going to affect what the PBOC does? 
Uh, well, I think PBOC has been trying to decouple their policy decisions from the Fed as uh, declared by them um, for quite a while. Um, so apparently, uh, currently China and the U.S. are in different um, monetary policy cycles while the Fed is on a hike. Cycles. Um, China is, um, is is you know cutting rates, and uh, and many of the market participants are expecting more cuts to come. So I do not think that PBOC will be affected by the Fed rate hike, especially from the monetary policy per se. But from FX markets, um, there could be some direct impact coming out from the Fed rate hike, and especially if we have continued hikes um, or more hikes than more than expected hikes to come in later this year, it could. Uh, put further pressure on dollar thing Y and we might see dollar thing Y to climb, climb high further um, uh, in the near term. As Enzia was saying, it seems like the government has a bit of a quandary as to which direction mm. to go. Um, Betty, do you think that um, you know there's any economic data ahead that's going to give us any indications mm. that in which in which direction the government is going to take uh, policy? Uh, well, uh, I think um, today, uh, today for, for today's data per se, I don't think we will have any upside surprise, but rather it could suggest that you know the the post COVID recovery momentum could continue to uh, to, to to fade. Um, so, what's the implications or indication of policy directions? I think the market are currently talking about the possibility of um, a, the state council meeting to be held on tomorrow, as soon as tomorrow, um, after which we might have some stimulus uh, sort of. Uh, measures. So in our view, um, any near-term like policy rate cuts or you know um, short-term uh, measures to um, to slow down the uh, the weakness or the downturn in the economy um, does not mean that policymakers would shift their uh, mindset of doing some long-term reforms. For example, the common prosperity thing, which was mentioned by Andrew, and uh, as well as property sector reforms, which in our view um, from policymakers. Perspective, I don't think they would like to use property sector as a major uh, growth driver. Mm. Once again, no matter how you know uh, how how suffer um, how suffer the uh, the sector is, um, yeah. So uh, while I don't exclude the possibility of getting some stimulus uh, package, um, but I think it's just a short term solution, and it won't be like a large scale. Enzio, let's just turn to Japan for a second. Mm. Um, you know, Japan, it seems like uh, the gods are smiling on it at the moment. The Nikkei at uh, all-time highs. Uh, how, how are you seeing that and what's, what's driving that? Very positively because Japan's economic time has moved from an excess demand for money to an excess supply of money and to an excess demand for goods. In other words, the wages are rising and that means that people have a little bit more money in, in the pocket and they're more confident that's the key thing with economics which comes from housekeeping by the way they're more confident in being able to spend just that little bit more money on the stuff that they've not been spending on for the past 30 years since i began this whole stuff so um i think that that's quite Positive. I just wanted to add one little thing on, on China, that the policy debate reminds me of two bald guys arguing over a comb. Um, what I mean by that is that the, the overriding thing really has to be when the state council meets, which way do we want to go? That's the D-Day argument. Do we want to go Marxist or do we want to go consumer um, and, and common prosperity? And that's the key decision. Anything else is ancillary to that. That's the comb and the two bald guys.
<laughs> well, as ever, we value your insight there about the comb, uh, Enzio, and many other things as well. Uh, thank you to you, and thank, uh, you. thank you to Betty Wang, a senior China economist at ANZ Bank. Enzio von Fahl is capital preservation specialist at uh, for individuals.